0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The pandemic has exposed big cracks in the way Australia's economy and social services operate. Insecure work and a privatised and underfunded aged care system have been pinpointed as two key areas desperately needing reform. Today, senior reporter for The Saturday Paper, Rick Morton, On how the Victorian state government, having navigated the second wave, is trying to lead the national conversation on what needs to change. Rick, last week the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews, handed down his state budget, the first since the pandemic hit. How much has this budget tried to address the problems that led to Victoria's second wave?
1: It, it, it does make a, a fair stab at it, and I think we need to remember what happened in the second wave. So, you know, when that tore through Victoria, it was the public health response that initially failed the state, and that was followed by the problems inherent in insecure work and this fragile aged care system that we've watched develop over the years.
2: This pandemic has exposed just how fragile
1: the financial arrangements and employment arrangements of hundreds of thousands of Victorians are. And responsibility for those two areas actually lies with the federal government. But Victoria isn't waiting for them to re-engage with its core responsibilities. With this budget, Daniel Andrews is saying, never again, not going to let that happen again. And it's no good for public health. It's no good for much at
2: all, actually. So there's a need for us to come back to that issue.
1: And he's focused his response on two main areas, is aged care and industrial relations um, kind of policy measures. And it's really something we should all be watching because those problems are affecting everyone all across the country. You know, it happened in Victoria with the spread of COVID. It could have happened anywhere else because those issues are endemic in this nation.
0: Okay, let's start with the problem of insecure work, Rick. What did the Victorian government announce to try and address that?
1: So this was actually something that Daniel Andrews raised during the peak of the second wave. At the time, he said it would be important to have a conversation about insecure work because of the impact it has on people not being able to have adequate sick leave, for example, or any sick leave, for that matter. And on Monday, just the day before the the, the budget... everyone to go. ..the government announced a two-year pilot program to provide sick leave for workers in precarious employment.
2: So many workers have to choose between going to work sick or feeding their kids, uh, paying the bills, surviving, getting to next
1: week... He said that this one-in-100-year event has shown us so many things we can be proud of.
2: The strength of character, the fact that we're a compassionate state, we look out for each other, the fact that uh, we have a world-class health system, the list goes on and on.
1: But he also said it highlighted these huge economic holes. Insecure
2: work isn't just bad for those who work under those uh, conditions, it's bad for all of us, and we all pay a price for the fact that so many people particularly those who work in public-facing jobs, do not have sick leave, do not have sick pay or carers' pay to fall back on.
1: So in terms of the detail, you know, this, it's, it's a small program to start off with. We've got $5 million in the budget, the state budget, to design this pilot program. It won't be running, according to Andrews, until late 2021 or early the following year. And it will start with workers in selected industries where the problem of casualisation is most pressing. You know, they will be plucked from the experience they had in the second wave, like aged care, meat processing, things like that. But the Australian Council of Trade Union Secretary Sally McManus told me that the Victorian initiative is really a significant step forward.
2: This, this year, insecure workers literally wrecked the economy and I hate to say it, but it is true. It has led to, to, to people dying. So... I don't think we can have a more um, stark example of just what's at stake.
1: So to be clear, McManus isn't blaming workers for spreading the virus, but she points the finger at the very system itself, which leaves them no choice in a race for survival.
2: It's like a very straightforward human choice. If it's you're going to, if it's stay home because you've got a sniffle or you're going to be able to um, pay the bills that, that, that week, it's a pretty simple one.
1: And unfortunately, she said... When we've had the working groups and these discussions with employers around key issues, and one of them has been around casual work, the employers won't even admit that there's a problem.
0: And, Rick, one of the areas where we really saw insecure work combine with high-risk settings in terms of of where the most vulnerable people live was in aged care. So what is Victoria doing to respond to what we saw happen there during the second wave?
1: That's completely right. It's, It's important to note that when we talk about what happened in aged care, we distinguished between the the private Commonwealth regulated facilities and the state owned and run facilities. So after COVID made its second run in the state, having escaped from hotel quarantine, it was aged care homes with their contingent of low paid, poorly trained and often migrant workforce that became one of the most powerful institutional vectors for the disease in Victoria. So Victoria's state run homes actually have the highest legislated minimum staffing ratios. In fact, the Commonwealth, which regulates the vast majority of all the other private nursing homes, has no mandatory required minimum of staffing ratios. So the Premier has provided $40 million over four years to support an increase in aged care student placements for nurses and personal care workers. So there is this one key condition, and this is where it gets tricky. He's going to provide this subject to the Commonwealth accepting and funding recommendations from the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety to introduce minimum mandated staffing ratios in private and not-for-profit residential aged care facilities. So that all being said, it's important now to note that Victoria, or any other state for that matter, has no say whatsoever over the regulation of the rest of the aged care sector. As we pointed out before, it's entirely a Commonwealth responsibility. But that hasn't stopped the Andrews government from attempting to force the needle and reform in its budget.
0: We'll be back after this.
2: Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. As a a. 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer.
0: Rick, we're seeing the Victorian government take some tentative steps to address issues with insecure work and in aged care. But ultimately, the federal government has responsibility in both of those areas. So what has the federal government's response been to the Victorian announcements?
1: Well, on both fronts, the policy response has already been or will soon be an angry one. We already saw Attorney-General Christian Porter call the Insecure Work Sick Leave Program a business and employment killing approach. And when it comes to aged care, we're still waiting for the government to act on the findings of the Royal Commission in the interim report and the COVID-19 report, which is due on the 1st of December. And the key issue, obviously, on both of these fronts is that, you know, greater funding and better regulation at a national level to avoid quality issues is needed. But so far, there's not much of a sign that's coming from the federal government. In fact, you know, in the budget, the federal government budget, there was no new money for nursing homes at all. It was something that I hadn't expected. I told everyone that it would be crazy for them not to do that, given the Royal Commission and COVID-19, and yet that's exactly what happened. Mm.
0: And Rick, during the second wave, the Victorian government was criticised for having an under-resourced health department, particularly in the area of public health. And that is an issue that is more in their control than insecure work or aged care. So how did the Victorian budget address that?
1: So it's not all peaches for Victoria, particularly on the health front. So they have made some some goes at reform, small reform, and some extra money in the budget. Notably, I think there's a $2.9 billion spend on the COVID-19 public health response, but most of that will have been spent containing the virus to date, so, you know, before the budget was even printed... Um, And there is, you know, a little bit more that will be spent in the rest of this financial year, but there's actually not that much in the way of forward-looking reform. So while the budget contains another $2.8 billion in funding to maintain hospital capacity over four years, there is just $50 million allocated after 2020-21 in additional budget allocations for public health.
0: And so, Rick, when you look at these changes announced by Daniel Andrews in and his budget, changes to the workforce and to the aged care system, do you think they will be enough? Will they have the effect that he's hoping for?
1: Look, it's hard to say because they are, look, they're very small measures. To me, the most interesting thing is the fact that he's having a go. I mean, state premiers typically do not venture outside of their boundaries into areas of federal responsibility, usually because you pick a fight with the Commonwealth that you're just not willing to have. But in this case, it's important that Daniel Andrews did because the, he saw what happens when these things fail. Now, if, particularly the the insecure work and the aged care policies, if they get any foothold, and he's offered to, to work with other states and territories who want to try a similar thing with the, the sick leave pilot, if they get a foothold, then we do have a conversation-changing as well as policy-changing effort in this country where we can actually stop accepting the status quo because we have been witnessing the increasing casualisation. And so if we can actually start to say, hang on a second, you know what, this is a public health issue. This isn't just an economic issue. This is about people and what happens when people are desperate and we need them to be protected so we can protect ourselves. Like, that's what a community does, right? Similarly, with the aged care measure, if... There's even a little bit of incentive in this aged care budget measure from Daniel Andrews for the federal government to do what it should have done years ago under both Labor and Coalition. If that happens, then that's an amazing thing because we actually have seen in the research that if you have proper qualified clinical care in nursing homes, then you save lives. So, you know... (laughs) These things are important. And, you know, Sally McManus was telling me that, you know, she thinks this is very bold of Victoria to attempt such a manoeuvre on the sick leave scheme because we haven't seen it elsewhere, really. The New South Wales budget was handed down in November as well and it contained all the usual stuff that you get, you know, the heavy spending on infrastructure and and they went a bit further on some long-awaited tax reform. But the Berejiklian government didn't venture out of its traditional realm of responsibility because... That's just not what state governments do, whereas Daniel Andrews has tried to say, look, we live this, we know how bad things can get when it goes wrong, so maybe we can try and change the national conversation, and I think that's a very good thing.
0: Rick, thank you for your time today.
1: Thanks, Ruby, I appreciate it.
0: Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au Also in the news today... The Royal Commission investigating the actions of former gangland lawyer turned police informer Nicola Gobbo has released its final report. It concluded that the convictions or findings of guilt of more than 1,000 people may have been affected by Victoria Police's use of Gobbo as a source. It also recommended that a special investigator be appointed to determine if Gobbo and police officers broke any laws. And Qantas has confirmed that it's outsourcing more than 2,000 ground staff roles across 10 airports. Baggage handlers, ramp workers and cabin cleaners at airports including Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth will lose their jobs. Qantas has cut about 8,500 jobs since the pandemic hit due to international travel bans and state border closures. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.